Thanks for tuning in to the Sandals Church podcast. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy this message. Hi, guys, and welcome to this series, Old Rules for New Life. I just want to talk to you about something that I hear people say all the time. I hear people say all the time that the world is becoming less and less religious. How many of you guys have heard people say that? Okay, I want you to know it's not true. Everyone worships something. What's happening is people are stepping away from traditional organized religions, but they're organizing themselves around their new religion. I was talking with uh, my gym owner, and we were talking about God and faith, and this is what he said to me. He said, I'm not religious, but he goes to the gym every day, stares at his body in the mirror every day, amen? You get what I'm saying? Takes protein shakes, you know, is meticulous about everything that he eats. He's completely devoted to how he looks. He is religious, He's just the object of his religion. Everyone is religious. So when somebody tells you that, well, I'm not just religious. No, no, no. They've created their own religion. Everyone worships something. And I want you to remember that. They either worship God. Okay. And we can, you know, talk about which God, you know, Muslims have Allah. Jews have the God of Abraham. As Christians, we worship the triune God who reveals Jesus Uh, Hindus worship all kinds of amounts of God. Buddhists worship, you know, Buddha, and he's not really a God, but he's kind of a philosopher teacher. So people worship a God or people worship themselves. This is what Pharaoh, this is what some of you are failing to see. Who is this God that I should worship him? Pharaoh is worshiped as God. I don't know if you know this, but I am Pharaoh. He wears a symbol upon his head of a snake. It means divinity. Anybody wonder why Moses threw a snake on the ground? Because God is about ready to throw down with Pharaoh and say, you are not God, you are nothing. So some people worship God, some people worship themselves, some people worship something else. Amen, cowboy fans? (laughs) All I did for a day after that game was watch cowboy fan after cowboy fan punch their TV, throw their TV out the window, scream at their kids, blame everybody in the world. You know what the problem is, cowboy fans? You got the wrong God. You got the wrong God. And it's just amazing, man. We build our lives around sports. We build our lives around entertainment. We build our lives around our desires. And we wonder why our life is not what we want it to be. You got the wrong God. And that's why the second commandment is to make sure that you have the right God. And what's interesting and what I want you to pay attention today, even if you call yourself a Christian, I want you to ask yourself, why would this be the second commandment? He gave us the first commandment, which is you shall have no other gods but me because I'm the God that delivers you, right? Settled. Why do we need the second command? Because even people who think they have the right God wander to the wrong God. And so I just want you to be very, very careful. Some of you, you have the right name. You have the wrong person. You may call upon the name of Jesus, but he's not the Jesus of the Bible. He's the Jesus of the Bible you're writing. He's the Jesus of the Bible you're creating. And you're in love with that Jesus. And let me tell you something, that Jesus can't save, that Jesus can't deliver, that Jesus has no power because it's your little idol and it's worthless. So in Exodus chapter 20, verses four through six, this is the second command. Why does God give us this? Because everyone is a worshiper of something, God themselves or something else. He says, you must not make for yourself. You see, this is a you problem. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or image. Of anything, right? Of anything. God knows you're creative. Of anything in the heavens, on the earth, 
or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, listen to this, am a jealous God. I'm a jealous God. And I will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Listen to this, especially if you're a parent. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected. Even the children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Listen to me, your life isn't just about you. Some of you today, right now today, you're making decisions about children who aren't even born yet. But God says, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You see, all of us today, we are either worshiping the right God or the wrong thing. So let's just back up. Some of you have a problem with God being jealous. Well, I thought jealousy is a sin. Yeah, for you, not for God. Jealousy is not a sin when it's right. And sometimes it is right. This week, uh, my daughter, they were having a problem with mold in their house. They had to move back to our house and they have a dog, a new little skinny, cute puppy, right? She's so cute, so sweet. My old fat dog does not like that skinny little, you know what, right, in our house. And so we have to have separate times. We have times where my dog's in the garage. We have times where she's allowed to play. And my dog just wails in the garage. <laughs> and my wife said, why can't Reese just get over it? And I said, how would you like it if I put you in the garage and I brought in some hot young thing that I was playing with in this house? Amen, ladies? My wife was like, got it, got it. She's gonna go out there and cry in the garage with Reese. I understand, I understand. You see, Reese knows I'm her master and it's not fair. Even her little dog heart, she understands this is not right. So if she understands it as a dog, that's why God understands it as God. He, he's the only God, there is no other and you're running around inventing things and that's not supposed to bother him. Can you imagine parents if your kids just decided one day that the next door neighbors were mom and dad? They just decided, yeah, I don't think you're the real mom and dad. <laughs> I'm gonna call them mom and dad. After you provide for them, care for them, brought them life, feed them, clothe them, that wouldn't make you a little angry. Anybody gonna be like God, amen? I'm gonna bring some judgment down two, three, four generations, amen? So God is jealous for you, jealous for you. That's why Satan wants to destroy you. It's you are the only weapon Satan has against God, that's it. Parents, listen to me. What you worship will affect your family for generations. Singles who you date will affect your family for generations. I hear this all the time. I prayed with a, a young 25-year-old at Hunter Park a couple of weeks ago, and her mom says she's dating a non-Christian. She said, well, he's nice. I'm sure the devil is nice, ladies. <laughs> and here's what I told her. I said, do you know how many women are sitting in this church today, and they believe the same thing that you did? And they sit alone week after week, and their husband has another God, that he worships and he won't come and sit with them and worship the one true God. And listen to me, ladies, in statistic after statistic after statistic, if you want your children to love God, they must see their father worship. If the dad worships, children are 10 times more likely to worship. 
Moms, it doesn't mean you don't matter. It just means kids look to dad. And if they look to him, looking at his father, guess who they look to? They look at their father who is in heaven. It is so important. And so we say, well, we don't really have idols anymore. That's the Old Testament, right? You know, it's just old rules. No, 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 this, these are old rules for your new life. John, in 1 John, says this, little children, he's writing to the church. He's an old man now. We think he was the oldest living apostle. He may have lived to 100 years old. And he writes and he says, little children, this is the church. Keep yourselves from idols. You see, everyone worships something. Even those of us as Christians. Why would John write to Christians and say, keep yourself from the love of idols? Because many of us, we think we're in love with God, but we're really in love with an idol of God. You see, everyone worships something. So what is an idol? 1 John 5, 21. This is out of the New Living Translation. Your translations are either word for word or thought for thought. Sometimes word for word is good. Sometimes thought for thought is better so that you understand what the words mean. So here's a translation of the verse I just gave you. Keep yourself from the low vitals. And here it is thought for thought. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Does that help? That's what an idol is. Anything that might take God's place in your heart. So you know what that means, parents? Children are a good thing. They're a blessing. But a good thing becomes a bad thing when your children become your God thing. Oh, we're all about God until little Johnny needs piano lessons or little Susie's got soccer and then all of a sudden what happened? God is in the distance. You see, you're making the choices. You're making decisions. What is the thing in your life that takes place of God? What is the thing that you build your lives around? Listen to me, guys, sports fans. You will not miss a game. How many Sundays did you miss? Like, you're not going to disappoint the Cowboys, even though they disappoint you, amen? <laughs> but you're going to disappoint God because he understands. Go back. God is jealous. God is jealous. So why is it that we fall in love with idols? You ever wonder that? What, what, is, what is it about the idols, right? What is the allure? Idols do some amazing things. Idols do three things. They give me position, they give me preference, and they give me pleasure. So let's talk about position. We worship idols that give us position. They make us feel better about ourselves. So in Exodus chapter 20, we receive the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 32, the Jews, the Israelites are worshiping an idol. <laughs> Twelve chapters later, after we get this, they're worshiping a golden calf. How did that happen? Moses went up to the mountain to be with God. And he left Aaron second in charge, amen, second in charge with the people. And they said, we don't know where this Moses guy has been. He's been gone too long. Aaron, why don't you lead us? Boom, position. Position. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have to be number two anymore. I don't have to do what Moses says. I can be in charge. Oh my gosh, we worship position. And so all of a sudden, Aaron says, give me all your jewelry and I will build for you a golden calf. It gives me position. And so that's what we want. You know, see, here's why we don't want to worship the one true God, because if you follow the commandments, God's number one, it can't be about position, can it be? It can't be about power, because he has the position, he has all the power. Idols give you the sense you're in charge. And this is why we fall in love with things, right? 
This is why some of you are chasing wealth because then if I drive a nice, nice car, right, I'm first class. I'm first class. And that's what's so sad. Some of you, you're settling for first class on earth when God wants to put you in first class up in the sky, right? We fall in love with things that give us position. So our clothes, ladies, our shoes. Come on, guys, we got like two pairs, amen? The ones we can wear and the one we should throw away, right? Ladies, you got all those shoes, but you don't know which step you need to go. You got all these clothes, but you still feel shame inside. You're having all this sex, but you've never experienced intimacy. You got a big home, but you're missing out on God's house. You see, so many of the things we chase, we think they'll satisfy us. Man, I was talking to a young man and he just, he just, you know, he's looking for the 10. Ladies, you know, he's got a 10. He's probably like a six and a half, but he wants, he wants to date a 10. And guys, you know, what is, what is, what is with, with supermodels? I don't understand. You know, supermodels, this is what I told them. It's like, they're like surfboards. They look great at the beach. Everywhere else, they just get in the way, man. It's just, it's a problem. It's a problem. You know? Sorry, I worked on that one. So things that give me position. So, right guys, my trophy wife. Well, look at me. My house, my car, my clothes, where I live. Those are your idols. And you know why that is? Because you're trying to let an idol fulfill something that you know that is deeply wrong inside of you. But only God can fix that. Things can't cover shame. Only Jesus can. How about this? Things that give me preference. This is what's happening all across America. Churches are changing their theology. Do you know why it is? They don't want to be uncomfortable. Things that give me preference. Well, Moses has gone away. We don't know where he went. So let's just worship God with what we have. Let's just give all, these, all this gold. And, and, and Aaron, you just make up something for us. We'll trust you. So I want you to think of this today. Many of you guys are like, well, I don't have an idol. Well, what if we change the spelling from I-D-O-L to I-D-L-E? Your God is a God of comfort. Some of you, you haven't come back to church since COVID because you're worshiping an idol God. You're worshiping God on your couch. You have an I-D-L-E, but it's still an idol. And that's the gospel today, right? God would never want me to be uncomfortable. God would never want me to have difficulty. God would never want me to struggle. And so what happens is we create a false God. Next, idols are things that give me pleasure, right? God would never give me a desire he didn't want me to act on. You've never read the Bible. Let me summarize the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Are you ready? Desires that you should not act on. I mean, that's what the Bible's all about. You're gonna have feelings, desires, and emotions that will lead you straight to hell. And God is trying to save you ultimately from yourself. So what happens Moses goes up to the mountain to speak with God. The people get restless. We gotta worship, we gotta worship something, we gotta do something right, they're idle, I-D-L-E, they're bored, they're all alone, they don't know what to do. Aaron make, us, Aaron make us a golden calf, he creates it, they throw a party, people get naked, they start having sex, and it goes crazy. 
They pursued pleasure. You ever wondered when Moses says, everyone who's on God's side come to me and everyone who's not stay over there and then he sends the Levites to kill him? How did they know who to kill? The naked people. <laughs> that's, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Oh, you don't have your pants? <laughs> right there, that's what, that's what idols do. You see, I want position because I don't listen to the first rule. There's only one God who delivers me from bondage. What bondage? The bondage I place myself in. I want my preference. I want my style of music at church. I want the, the pastor to preach out of my translation. I want him to preach for the appropriate amount of time. I want the services when I'm ready. You know? I mean, we create all of this stuff. We create all of these parameters, and we create an idol of preference. And then, right in the name of love, we create an idol of pleasure. It's all about love. Love wins. Love all. And we throw out the law. God says he's, he's looking for worshipers who obey his commands, not create the commands they want to obey. So here's the question, though. What, what are the dangers of idols? Here's the biggest danger of an idol. They can work for a while. Why do we fall in love with idols? They work for a while. Like, right? I mean, you start working out, you start exercising, you start looking good. It works for a while, but then it doesn't. This week, I was going to the doctor. I've been having back issues. I was going to the doctor, and, and I was sitting in the doctor's room waiting uh, to meet with the doctor, and there was an old guy named Bob. He sa I said, Bob, what's wrong with you? He said, I had way too much fun when I was your age. <laughs> and he said, now my body's just like, I'm done. I'm done. You see, at some point in time, our bodies give up. I mean, some of you guys, you know, you're going to make money, and that's going to satisfy you for a while, but then all of a sudden you're going to have all this money, all this stuff, and you have no meaning. Man, you're going to travel the world and go all these places and miss out on heaven? You see, these idols, they satisfy for a while. And here's one of the things I think a lot of you miss when you read through the book of Exodus. Moses is commanded to do these extraordinary miracles in the name of God. Here's what I want you to see. The Egyptian magicians were able to do some of them. They were able to duplicate things. And so that's the lure, right? I don't need God. I can worship on my own. I can be my own person. I'm spiritual. That works for a while until you really need God. Exodus chapter seven, verses six through nine. So Moses and Aaron, they did just what the Lord had commanded them. Moses was 80 years old. Can you think about that? 80 years old, collecting social security for like 15 years. Aaron was 83 when they made their demands to Pharaoh. See, some of you seniors, your God is idle, I-D-L-E. God's not done with you yet. You know when he's done with you? When you're dead. If you're still alive, you have a purpose. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle, right? Show me a miracle. If God is real, show me. And that's what atheists say today. And that's what I want you to understand. God shows miracle after miracle after miracle, and Pharaoh still doesn't believe. You see, the problem isn't a lack of God's presence. The problem is your heart. You want the number one proof of God? 
The number one proof of God, everyone's religious. Everyone's worshiping something. Every human being, every tribe, every tongue, every nation of every place, all time, across the globe, people who've never spoken to each other believe that there's something bigger than them. That's the biggest evidence for a creator that I can give you. But oh, I believe in science. How many of you heard that? Oh, I believe in science. Here's what's hilarious. You know what scientists are starting to do? Uh, I think we got it wrong. They're, they're coming back. Scientists who are studying the cosmos are saying, now, it seems like something's in control of all of this. And you know what they're calling it? A divine conscience. You could have spelled that G-O-D. But they're looking at this. And they're saying, you know what? There's something at work here that is profoundly indicative of a creative force. So even science is now saying, ah, I'm not so sure. He says, show me a miracle. And when he does, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh and it will become a serpent. Now, if you grew up in church, it says snake. The way you say snake in Hebrew is nachash. This word is tannin. We don't know what it means. The word's too old. It could be translated crocodile. That'd have been cool. You know? You can translate it dragon. That'd have been scary. <laughs> you know? Woo! Or great snake. But here's the thing. Pharaoh wears a symbol of a snake on his head as a symbol of his divine authority and power. It's a symbol of ancient Egyptian royalty. And what is Moses doing? Throwing it down. It's a symbol of the high God Ra, and it is a divine symbol, listen to this, of Pharaoh's protection. And God is gonna strip that away one plague at a time. Some of you have never noticed that there are 10 commandments and 10 plagues. God is coming for Pharaoh. So Moses and, Aaron went to, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. Sorry, every time I see the word Aaron, I want to say Aaron, sorry. <laughs> Too much Instagram. So Moses went to Aaron, right? And he went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord commanded them. See, I can't say it now. Aaron, right, threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to notice. Then Pharaoh called his own sorcerers. And these Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. God does not say don't do magic because it's fake. He says you better be careful because some of it's real. Some of it's real. I was talking to one of our college students at church. He said, Pastor, I just don't feel right when I watch demonic movies. I go, you think? You think? That's the Holy Spirit going, get out! They threw down their staffs, which also became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up all of theirs. Wow, right? You ready to believe? Let's give an invitation. Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. There are 10 plagues. Five times God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Five times Pharaoh hardens his own heart. He still refused to listen, just as the Lord predicted. So the first plague 
is the plague of blood. The Egyptians worshiped the Nile River. It's the source of all their lifestyle, all their wealth. It's one of the longest continuous rivers of that time that was known. Just a beautiful, beautiful place. And it made Egypt as powerful as it was. And Moses sent Aaron out and he turned the entire river into blood. Pharaoh called his magicians and they were able to do the same thing. Next plague, frogs. He had frogs come out from everywhere, all over, everywhere, disgusting, grotesque, in and out of people's homes. But guess what? The magicians could do the same thing. But I want you to know, the next plague, the magicians could not duplicate. And I want you to know that there's going to come a time when you will need the one true God. And your false, fake God will not work. Here's something that many of you have missed, even if you grew up in Sunday school, even if you've been a Christian your whole life, you've missed it, it's right there in front of your face. Aaron made a golden calf. He called the people to worship, and guess what he says? And now we can worship Yahweh. You see, they didn't believe they were worshiping a false god. What they were doing is, they were worshiping the one true God in their way and they violated his second command. You see, some of you in the name of Jesus, you got the name right, but you're worshiping your own idol. And you've never noticed that. Come now, let us worship Yahweh, the one true God. You see, all of us want to worship God in our own way. Old rules for new life teach you to worship God in the way he wants to be worshiped. So the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron to raise your staff and strike the ground. And dust will turn into swarms of gnats throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. And when Aaron raised his hand and he struck the ground with his staff, gnats infested the entire land, covering the Egyptians and their animals and the dust of the land. And Egypt turned into gnats. Can you imagine? Not a sandstorm, a gnat storm. Anybody ever swallowed a gnat? One time we were having a, a church party, a church picnic, and I was talking to somebody, and a gnat hit me right in the uvula. One little gnat. I thought I was going to die. I don't know where that gnat has been, amen? And you don't know what to do, vomit it, choke it out, or just swallow it and get a little protein, amen? It was so embarrassing. I was talking to somebody, I'm like, and I don't think they saw it go in. So embarrassing, like I was like possessed or something. But can you imagine gnats are everywhere? In your ears, in your eyes, in your nose, and in your mouth. Gnats are drawn to moisture and hot air. That's why it went to me, right? Whoosh, straight in. But can you imagine? You're just covered in an infestation of gnats. Listen to this, and Pharaoh's magicians tried to do the same thing with their secret arts. You need to understand that there are things about Egyptian culture that have been lost and we do not know. I've been to the tombs of Giza, the great pyramids of Giza. I, I look at it and I, it blows my mind. Those pyramids are built with laser-like precision. The foundation of those pyramids are granite. 
They're built with over 2.3 million stones. Today, with the best equipment that we have, if we worked every single day, 12 hours a day, listen to me, it would take us as modern human beings 650 years to build one. Egypt could do some things that we can't. You see, you've been taught in school that we're evolving and getting smarter. We might be getting dumber, amen? Yeah. And I think chat, chat GPT is just, we're all just going to be like, eh. But this time, they failed. And the gnats covered everyone. People and the animals alike. I want you to listen to this. And here's what Pharaoh's magician said. This is the finger of God. This is the finger of God. The magicians exclaimed to Pharaoh. His own wise counsel, his own magicians, the smartest, brightest, most brilliant people on the planet for him told him, hey, hey, you need to know we're messing with something that we cannot handle. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard. I want you to listen to me very carefully. This might be your first time in church in a long time. And I know so many of you think, well, I'll get my life right with God someday. You don't understand that as you speak, as you sit, your heart is calcifying. It is hardening. And the further you get from God, the quieter God's voice gets. That's why we said last week in the sermon, if you hear the Holy Spirit today, do not harden your heart. It's why Jesus, when he looked at his own disciples, he said, is your heart hard? And some of you today, it doesn't matter what God does today in your life. It doesn't matter. If God brought down all 10 plagues, your heart is so hard, you would not repent. Even if everybody in your life that loves you and you trust and you believe said, that's God, because you've gotten so far because you've built your own idol, your own little God. You've built a, an idol to yourself. You've built an idol to something else. He wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord predicted. You see today, some of you are worshiping the wrong God. You're just worshiping the wrong God. You're wasting your life on something that doesn't matter. I remember when Tammy and I got married, we bought our, we bought our first new car. Anybody ever bought a new car? Okay, one day you too will be in debt forever. <laughs> we bought our first new car and my wife was looking for me. This is before cell phones. So, so if you don't know this, husbands, your wife's just yell in like a screeching voice, Matt! You know, and she couldn't find me. You know where I was? I was in the garage. My car was in the garage. I put out a picnic chair and I just was sitting in the garage. <laughs> she said, are you just out here staring at your car? And I said, yes. That's what idols do. You know the difference between idols and God? Idols take your money. God receives it. You know when the Egyptians left Egypt? The Egyptians paid them with gold to leave. As soon as they built their idol, guess what Aaron said? Rip the rings from your nose and throw them at my feet and I will make you an altar. That's what idols do. They rob you. They put you in debt. They destroy you. They ruin you. What's the first command? Only God can deliver you from bondage. Your idols will put you in bondage. You see, there's going to come a moment in your marriage 
where you need God, but you've been worshiping a false God, right? You know your God where, you know you read his word when you have time. You know your little idol where you serve him. We know when it's appropriate. You know your little God, you know, you, you give him money when, when, you know, it was a good sermon. You know, you know your little God. And then one day, your life's going to fall apart. Your marriage is going to fall apart. There's going to be some phone call, some disaster, something happened with your kids, something happened with your mom. And you go to that little idol, and it's useless. And it can do nothing. I want you guys to know, you know, the the very fact that I'm standing here today preaching is, is a miracle. I've been on my back for seven days. For seven days, I can't stand. I can't sit. I can't sleep. I hurt my back. I forgot I was 50, you know. When people, when people ask me how old I am, I'm just going to tell people from now on, 5150. That's how old I am. Yeah, all the crazy people know what I'm saying, right? That's the police call for nuts, right? 5150. And if you've been 5150, I love you. But that's my age, right? I was 50, now I'm 51. But I just, you know, you get in the gym, guys, right? You know, you see the young guys. You know, I still got it. And I was like, oh, I don't got it. And it, it just got worse and it got worse and it got worse. I've been to the doctors five times in the last week with tears in my eyes. This is a true story. I came to work one day this week and I, 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 I bent down to stretch and I couldn't get up. Remember the old videos? Help, I can't get up. Well, I didn't have the call button. I needed the, you know. And so one of our youth interns was, I don't know what he was doing, but he found me in a room here at the church in the dark, laying on the ground. He's like, Pastor Matt, what are you doing? I was like, ah. But here's the thing, man. I was hurting so bad. My doctor gave me all kinds of drugs, good drugs. You know, I, I posted a little uh, thing on Instagram saying my back was hurting. Some of you had some very interesting advice. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pray for your soul. Um, I, one lady said, just feel good, pastor. You deserve it. I was like, okay, you know. But here's the thing. He, he gave me three bottles of pills. One was a muscle relaxer. One was a steroid to reduce inflammation. And one was uh, an opioid. And on the opioid bottle, it's amazing. I don't know if you've seen this now. Now they put a red sticker on top and it says danger. Danger may cause addiction and overdose. Could be lethal. And I was looking at that thing and I was like, am I gonna take this? And I've had some good friends of mine have back injuries and get addicted to pills and ruin their lives. And I said, I don't think I should take that. Then there was another side. Listen, but I need it. Listen to me, what happens when you actually need it? You see, that's what idols do. Once you need them, they destroy you. And here's what I did. I just rallied the troops. I was on all kinds of pain meds. And the truth is, it wasn't fixing my back. It was just making me numb. And I just cried out to God. I just cried out to him. Listen to me, and not the idol God who has to heal me, but the true God who can heal me. You see, some of you have a little God and he's a puppet God and he has to listen to you. He is not a genie in the bottle where you scratch it and you command. That's the devil. That's not God. And I got on my knees and I I prayed. I'm so grateful the two doctors that treated me are both Christians. And one of the doctors actually gave me a meditation, a prayer meditation. He handed it to me on the way out of the office. Reminded me that the Lord is my refuge and my strength. Isn't that incredible? He he gave me scripture. And he said, pray this every day for about 10 to 15 minutes. Go through a meditation. And I did it every day. Couldn't walk, couldn't stand. 
was unable, bawling my eyes out. This is absolute pain. My wife said, I've never seen you like this. The only way I could describe it is just like pain in your back and then a, a knife with lightning. That's the only way I could describe it. And I just started praying. And I said, God, I know you can heal me. But are you willing? Because I'm not God. I can't demand it. And I heard this voice. I'm willing. And I just cried. And I hurt. And I just kept stretching and, and, and God, what am I going to do? My wife's standing over me. She's like, I'm worried. I was like, me too. Me too. You see, we can't demand anything of the one true God. But we can't ask if he's willing. How am I standing here today? As Lamentation says, his mercies are new every morning. And he healed me. Not because he had to but because for whatever reason, he chose to. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, again, this is the New Testament. This is the new life that you and I are called to live. He says, so my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. We see this over and over again in the New Testament and some of you have never confessed your worship of idols in your entire life. Families are great unless they're above God. Marriage is great unless it's above God. Money's necessary unless it's above God. Health. Health is wonderful, but not if it comes above God. Some of you today need to throw down your idol and you need to say, God, I need to quit worshiping this because it will not work and it will lead you to hell. So when the, in Exodus chapter 32, God says, I'm done. Some of you have never read this. He tells Moses, we're gonna kill them all. We're going to start over, <laughs> right? Remember, God is a jealous God. Moses says, no, no, no. Moses says, kill me. Save them for your namesake. And listen to me. God does. He saves them. Why? Because Moses mediated a peace covenant with God. Every single person in this room needs a peace covenant with God. And here's why. You have sinned your entire life and you are indebted to the one true God. And you cannot pay back that debt. So here's the thing is, people say, well, I've asked for forgiveness. Okay, so let me say I, I rob you. I rob you. I break into your house and I rob you and I steal from you. My whole life I steal from you. And the end of my life I say, I'm sorry. Are we good? We're not good. I still owe you a debt. Someone has to pay the debt. So God said, okay, I won't kill them all, but I am going to kill some. And he sent the Levites in. Here's the good news. We're not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. And we don't call upon the name of Moses. We call upon the name of Jesus. And here's why. 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. And that is the man, Christ Jesus. And some of you guys today, you are indebted to God. You've worshiped anything and everything but him your entire life. And God is jealous and God is angry and God is fed up and God is done. And it is not enough for you to be sorry. Somebody has to pay the debt. Somebody has to die. Jesus said, I will. I will. And he died for you. Hebrews 12, 24, and to Jesus, the mediator, listen to this, of a new covenant. A new covenant. 
You want to know why we're doing the Lord's Supper at the end of every service? Because that's the only reason we're here. We're only here because his body was broken, because his blood was shed. That's the only reason we stand. It's because he stood for us and died for us on the cross. And I just want to challenge you today. Do you need to throw down your idols and worship the one true God? Do you need to throw down your idols and finally surrender completely and wholeheartedly to Jesus? Not the Jesus that you made up on your mind, not the Jesus that, you know, is symbolized on a cross around your neck. You see, even things like these can become idols. One of the cutest questions I got on the debrief show was a kid asked me, you know, are demons afraid of these? I said, no, demons are not afraid of a cross around your neck. They're afraid of Jesus in your heart. That's what they're afraid of. That's what makes them shudder. Do you have Jesus in your heart? The only way you do is if you've made a covenant with him. Have you submitted to him? Have you confessed your sin? And have you invited him? Listen to me, first commandment, to be the Lord of your life. Because it is Jesus and Jesus alone that can deliver you from bondage. So I'm just gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and let's just pray right now. I'm gonna pray the Holy Spirit over all of us. What are the idols in our lives right now? Very crafty, very creative idols. What is the golden calf in your life that you have built in the name of God, but it is not God? What is it that you need to get rid of today? And just hand that over to the Lord right now. Just give it to him. And then just ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus, the mediator of our new covenant. Because here's what the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Call upon his name right here, right now. It's a better covenant. Jesus did what we cannot do. He lived the law perfectly. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took upon your sin and he is willing to give you his righteousness if you believe. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I just ask, Lord, that you would lift these idols out of our lives, out of our minds, out of our hands. God, and you would in turn place your Holy Spirit upon us. God, give us a pure heart. Make us like the Levites, Lord, wanting to serve you, wanting to be priests for you, wanting to be the true people of God. Lord, help us not to fall in love with idols, but help us to continually love you as the one true and only God who is jealous for us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Pastor Matt Brown. Thank you so much for watching this content. The reason that we produce this content is to help you build an authentic relationship with God, with yourself, and ultimately with others, people just like you who are furthering uh, their relationship with God. If you would like to transition from someone who just watches this content to partner with us so that we could produce that content, I would really like to invite you to go to donate.sc. This is the best way for you to become a part of what God is doing at Sandals Church to share this message of authenticity all across the globe. Thank you so much for your time and I appreciate your generosity.